Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum... Many of us have something in our family history we grapple with, something a parent or relative has done that we're uncomfortable with or even ashamed of. For Craig McNamara, that something is a devastating war that cost millions of lives. He's the son of Robert McNamara, U.S. Secretary of Defense under Presidents Kennedy and Johnson, who oversaw the Vietnam War. Greg McNamara joins us to talk about what he's learned from decades wrestling with his father's legacy. His new memoir is Because Our Fathers Lied. Forum is next, after this news. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Craig McNamara is a walnut farmer in Winters, California. His father was Robert McNamara, Secretary of Defense under Presidents Kennedy and Johnson, an architect of the Vietnam War. In his new memoir out today titled Because Our Fathers Lied, Craig McNamara writes about his dad, whether it was the use of Agent Orange, the bombing campaigns that killed millions of civilians, or the faulty statistics he relied on, dad didn't admit to his mistakes when doing so could have changed history. Many of us have had to contend with a parent or relative's past behaviors. Few have a legacy quite like this. Craig McNamara, it's so good to have you on Forum. Oh, I mean, I so appreciate being with you today. Um, I remember the time years ago that you came out to our farm. And, yeah. uh, we discovered the watershed that runs through and gives life to our farm. Yeah, it, that was that was such a treat, and and getting to read this memoir and understanding a little bit more about how you've wrestled with your dad's actions, it has really been has really been a gift, Craig. And I, I really so appreciate you telling this story. Throughout reading it, I couldn't help but keep asking myself, how long has Craig wanted to tell this story? of how being the son of Robert McNamara affected him to, to put yourself at the center of your own story. Well, well, thank you, Mina. One thing that I've learned in this journey is to take a moment and to pause and to receive those words that you just shared with me. They're, they're very meaningful to me. Thank you so much. To answer your question, my entire adult life has been lived through the lens of Vietnam in one way or another, and therefore... The decisions that my father made um, as a new member of the cabinet and in uh, John F. Kennedy's administration and on through his tenure with the Johnson administration. So those eight years, I, I was, we came to Washington obviously in 1960 when I was 10 years old. So I basically, the war was part of my lifeblood. And as I um, reached my late teens, uh, I realized that the war was wrong. And 
have dealt with that um, all the way through to my 72nd birthday uh, this, this April. So this is nothing new to me, and yet the opportunity to take a deep dive into my relationship with my father has been an amazing discovery of, um, of joy, of sadness, and brings me here today to the next chapter of my life with, with you and, and to now my readers. Uh, today is the day. Today is the day the book is published. I'm, I'm incredibly honored. What made today or now the right time to share this story widely? What stopped you from doing it before? Well, it's interesting because throughout my adult life, I'd, I'd always t- asked my dad, in essence, share more with me about your life. Um, and I think growing up in a family, actually in, in the East Bay, he, he grew up over in Alameda and Piedmont um, with a mother who was incredibly strict and domineering, a father who died early in his life. And his father, I believe, was 25 years older than his mother. I don't think he ever had the modeling to to share his life with his son or his daughters, for that matter. Um, so uh, my wife and I had a remarkable opportunity to be students at Stanford um, in the year 2018 in the Distinguished Careers Institute. And it was that time that I s- said to myself, this is my opportunity. I've been a journaler all my life, and so I've kept notes and thoughts of emotions and, and experiences. And so this was the time. Stanford gave me the opportunity to to spend the time and Quite remarkably, I, I asked for an independent study program at Stanford, and I was assigned an amazing Stegner Fellow, and her name is Sarah Frisch. And Sarah became my coach, uh, and that is the genesis of what we have before us today. I've heard you say that you wanted to be open with your family and your kids in ways that your father was not open with you. And it really makes me think about this moment early on in your book where you describe as a teenager trying to talk to him about his position. You called him because there was going to be a teach-in at your boarding school about the Vietnam War, and you wanted him to provide you with something that would help explain his position to your peers. Can you tell that story and how he reacted to your request? I can, Mina, and it's a a vivid one because I was 15 or 16, and my good friend Rick King, who eventually became the president of the school in our senior year, was putting on a teach-in. And many of our listeners today will remember how important teach-ins historically have been, but in order to resist the war, being able to talk to students and bring in professors who had understanding of, of Vietnam and the language and the culture. This was an important event at our school, and Rick had invited a foremost uh, Dartmouth professor to come to the school. And so I went to the phone booth, and it's hard to remember. There were phone booths back <laughs> in that area. And it was a, I remember it, it was a box of, of wood and glass, and I dialed the number of, of my father at home, and I said, Dad, um, we're having this teaching. Rick King, you know Rick, is sponsoring it. And if you've got any pamphlets or information that you have that demonstrates why we should be fighting in Vietnam in 1965, and just pause for a second. Think what was going on in Vietnam in 65, the Tonkin Gulf issues. Think of what was happening 
across the America at that time. This was a critical time in the ramping up of the war. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you exactly how many soldiers were fighting, but I would guess it's in the order of close to 100,000. And I asked my father, and there was a pause, and he said, well, Craigie, I'll, I'll get my secretary to send that to you. Another pause. And then the conversation ended. And for the next week, I went to the mail room to see if the pamphlets would arrive to put out on the table for the teach-in. And they never, never arrived. And as I went through my years thinking, where was my father's, what was he thinking, his son, who in three short years would be eligible for the draft and could be fighting in Vietnam, what was he thinking? And I do believe with the kindness and friendship of, of my friend Daniel Ellsberg, I've learned so much about what what was going on at that time and trying to assimilate what was going on in my father's mind. I truly believe today he knew the war was not winnable in 1965. So I'm in the phone booth, he's at home, and no pamphlets ever arrived to the school. And as you say, that was emblematic of the way that he basically discussed or did not uh, the war with you. You also talk about how you should have tried harder to get him to share more about the war, to be honest with you about the impact that it had on him, on you and your family, and on countless Americans and Vietnamese people. That is a lot of responsibility to put on yourself. Well, thank you. It, it is, and it's it's important, and it's it's a lesson that I that I think I've woven, I've attempted to weave into my memoir is that we need to continue those dialogues throughout our life. I'm a father of three wonderful millennial adults, and it's my duty, it's my love, it's my obligation to be as transparent with them as I can. And I, re- I, d- I have few regrets in my life because I don't think regrets are things that we should dwell on. But I miss throughout my life with my father, the 60-plus the years that we had together, I'm, I should have said, Dad, I'm here. Um, I'm a good listener. I'm thoughtful. Together we can discover emotional intelligence. Together we can change um, generational trauma. You've experienced generational trauma in your life, and I have too. Let's come together and figure out how to ease the pain that this war has caused, not just you and me, Dad, but the millions of people who fought in the war and the many millions of people who died in the war. And I do regret that... um, I didn't take that opportunity. I didn't make that opportunity happen. You know, you can't, you can't force someone into a conversation, but I wish that I'd done more to create that conversation. Does that still eat away at you, Craig? You know, I think, I, I wonder what Dad would think <laughs> reading my memoir. And there's some interesting parts in the memoir that he would chuckle over, I, like the one about uh, when I was in Santiago, Chile, um, on my you know two-and-a-half-year journey uh, away from the United States, and I was reading El Mercurio, the national uh, uh, newspaper, 
And in it was an article and a picture of Robert S. McNamara, you know, the typical sort of picture of him. And it said, Robert S. McNamara, former Secretary of Defense, and his wife just purchased an island off the coast of Massachusetts where they look forward to participating in nudism and coming up with new ideas of sterilization. Well, the truth of the fact was that uh, my mom and dad had very fortunately bought a beautiful property on Martha's Vineyard, and it just happened to be Lucy Vincent Beach, which is the famous nudist bathing beach. And yes, my dad was a zero population growth sort of guy, so he, so you know, it's a funny story amongst um, the many um, parts of the of my memoir that are are sad. And, and I think your question was, am I still haunted by all of this? I don't believe that I am. I believe that I have the next journey of my life ahead of me. I have the next journey of my relationship with my father ahead of me. And ultimately, I think if he were to read this book, he would, he would find healing. Hmm. Millions of people, including more than 58,000 Americans, were killed in the Vietnam War. Most of the dead were Vietnamese civilians, widely viewed as the architect of this war and the U.S.'s role from 64 to 73, is U.S. Defense Secretary Robert McNamara. My guest is Craig McNamara, his son. And Craig has written about having to contend with his father's legacy in a new memoir titled Because Our Fathers Lied. And I want to invite your listeners to join the conversation. What would you like to ask Craig McNamara, is there something your parent or ancestor has done that you struggle with? 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. You can get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED Forum. You can email us, forum at kqed.org. More after the break. I'm Mimi Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking this hour with Craig McNamara. His new memoir is Because Our Fathers Lied. Craig McNamara's father was Robert McNamara, known widely as the architect of the Vietnam War, as Secretary of Defense under Presidents Kennedy and Johnson. His book, Craig's book, is about how he's reckoned with his father's legacy, and you can join the conversation. Have you had to contend with a difficult family legacy? How? What has helped you? Call now at 866-733-6786. Email us, forum at kqed.org. Get in touch on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram at KQED Forum. The title, Craig, Because Our Fathers Lied. Lied is, is such an intense word. It implies intent to deceive. 
And was it a process to get to the point of saying that your father lied? I mean, it, it, it was. And I remember vividly at the age of possibly 12 or 13, when I was aware that my father had testified before Congress. And I thought it was a Newsweek article that, that quoted him. And the word lied came up. And how could my father lie? I, I've, I've lived with him 13 years. He's introduced me to um, the Sierras and the Cascades and hiking and fishing and loving nature and this beloved father. How could that be? And then as I realized and studied more of the war, um, the, the recognition that he did lie uh, to, to me, to my family, to families across this nation, to men and women who fought in Vietnam. And I chose the title, um, Because Our Fathers Lied, from a quote and a poem by Rudyard Kipling. Uh, the, the, the poem is Epitaphs of the War, 1914 to 1918. And the actual quote is, if any question why we died, tell them because our fathers lied. And that quote came, as I understand, Rudyard Kipling's son wanted to fight in World War I. However, he had a stigma in his eyes and he required glasses and therefore he was not able to sign up. His father actually lied to get him into the war. And the son, as I've learned, died because his glasses fell off. So you can imagine the grief that Kipling felt having lied to get his father, his son, into war. And you can imagine the grief that, that we and our listeners have because of the lies that we've been told and to, to get us into aggressions around the world. You, you write, while in office, your dad repeatedly told the public we were making progress in Vietnam, that victory was just around the corner, and that you felt rage at him uh, because even this was before the Pentagon Papers confirmed that he did have skepticism about the war. Um, but you also write, quote, when my dad writes that he was not duplicitous, this was in his own memoir, your father's own memoir, to the American people, I think he's ignoring a different truth. He was duplicitous to himself. What did you mean by that? You're absolutely right. I, I, I think he was. And, you know, so many of the things that I've learned in life, uh, about life, stem from the, the, how we grow up and what the models that we grow up with. My father had a sense of loyalty. And this is one of the things, one of the few things that he did say to me, that he, he felt his loyalty to President Kennedy and President Johnson's far outweighed his loyalty to, to the citizens of this country. And I want to quote you something just after he either was fired or resigned in February of 1968. Life magazine had a very big spread, um, an article written by Brock Brower. May 10th, 1968. Here's a quote from my father. Around Washington, there is this concept of the higher loyalty. I think it's heretical concept. This idea that there's a duty to serve the nation above the duty to serve the president and that you're justified in doing so. It will destroy democracy if it's followed. You have to subordinate a part of yourself, a part of your views. I would respectfully disagree. It's beyond respectfully disagree. My father took, just like Dean Rusk and the other secretaries at that time, they took an oath 
that said, I do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. He didn't say that he was um, solemnly swearing to take an oath to the presidency. So it doesn't sit well with you in terms of that as one of the justifications that he had put forward with regard to it. It doesn't. Yeah. And remember, Mina, and so many of our listeners will remember that these men, primarily men, who were leading the country, had gone through the Great Depression. They'd gone through World War II. They were uh, very fearful of communism. And this whole domino theory, although we realize it, it wasn't a domino theory, I think in their minds it might have been a justification. I get that to a degree, but I do not accept the loyalty factor. Well, Nancy writes, so authentic and insightful. Continue your journey, my friend. One of the things that you say is that you were loyal to him. And I think the way that you express that loyalty is with a great deal of ambivalence. So you use this word loyal in terms of describing how you behave towards him was there ambivalence there? Is that why you chose that word? Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, I am his son. Um, he's my father. Um, there's many parts of him that I deeply respect and love. I, I truly wish we were having this conversation together right now because my hope would be that I could put loyalty aside and put um, the war directly in front of us. And it's not like pinning someone down and getting them to admit. It's not just wanting an apology. We today are still, the men primarily and women who fought in Vietnam are still suffering from stress syndromes. They're suffering from Agent Orange. They're suffering from napalm. And so many thousands, hundreds of thousands of people in Vietnam are suffering I want my father to do something about that. He could have and should have listened. He, was, he met with um, uh, General Zapp, the leading general throughout the war. This general was handpicked by Ho Chi Minh. Together, General Zapp and Robert McNamara fought this war for many, many years. And when my, my, my daughter Emily and I traveled to Vietnam in November of 2017, we met with General Zapp's son, Nam is his name, and we sat together in the garden of the home that he grew up in, his father's home, General Zapp's home. And in that garden, I was told that General Zapp loved roses, and the, the roses uh, and trellising was still there. The trellises for the roses were made out of bomb casings that the United States Air Force had dropped on Hanoi. I wonder if my father ever realized that. That's something that we could have and should have talked about. And what did that mean to you, Dad, to know that this revered general, when, when General Zapp died, millions of Vietnamese came to his funeral. That was not the case for my father. 
We have a comment from Min Cho who writes, I'm a Vietnamese-American woman, and I find this current program offensive. I'm so uninterested in healing either Craig or Robert McNamara. The fact that he's gotten a book published and is on air with you now is evidence of the problem of our society. The publishing industry sucks. These are white men who are only famous due to the death of millions of Vietnamese people, including my family. I am disgusted. What is your reaction to that, Craig? It, it, it pains me deeply. I hear it loudly. I respect it. I would like to take a pause to allow me to think about that. I want to also share with, with, with my um, fellow listeners uh, something that, that I read, um, a quote from the director of the War Remnants Museum in Ho Chi Minh City. It resonated with me, and I don't say this to counter at all the listener's response because the listener's response is profound, it's correct, it's right. Tran Huan Tao, the director of the War Remnants Museum, said this, quote, We don't forget the horrors of the war, but we forgive in order to move on. There is so much we can do together. Now, that may not resonate with um, our listener. And I, I realize that I'm a white male, and I have lived a life of white male privilege, and I will forever be conscious of that. So thank you. Thank you for your comment. I will uh, deeply take it in and think about it. Have you felt like you needed to atone for your father's I don't. Lies? I do not need to atone for my father. My entire life has been lived when I, well, first of all, my name is Robert Craig McNamara. And I want to just, on that note, read the introduction to my book or to whom my book is dedicated to Margaret, to Margaret McKinstry Craig, she gave me her maiden name, her Pacific blue eyes, and her love of nature. It is her love that has guided my life's journey. So I am the son of Margaret and Robert. And for all of my life, uh, during the 60, 70 days, people would say, oh, are you related? And I had to figure out what the hell to say. Yeah, I'm related, but I'm not my father. And I will do everything to, and I cannot right the wrongs of my father, but I will do everything in my power to be a learner and a listener and to try to change the generational trauma that has come down through our families. You don't feel the need to atone. You have said, though, that I don't think I could have put it into words back then, but in retrospect, I was clearly involved in a personal project of reshaping my family's legacy. You have chosen uh, a very different path. I guess in some ways people could say that it's almost a 180 from your dad, that his decisions in life cost lives. As an organic farmer, you grow things, you, you create life. How much of making these different life choices is a reaction to your dad's impact. Uh, and how do you reconcile that with, with, with feeling authentically who you are? So the question, Mina, is what is my, have my life decisions been in reaction to my father? I would say my leaving this country um, was a reaction to my father and to 
the disgust and the tragedy, of, the disgust I have at our actions in Vietnam. And through the kindness and generosity of subsistent farmers across uh, Central and South America, touching the soil and becoming land-oriented um, cha- helped, helped me connect most fundamentally to, to food and the recognition that politics and power is intrinsically involved, tied up with food production. It is today, I mean, the tragedy that we're seeing globally right now. So being a farmer and eventually an organic farmer um, has helped me along this journey and helped me to heal and to provide something that I feel is nourishing um, to people across across the world. And let me go to Paula in San Francisco. Hi, Paula. Hi, I just wanted to say that, um, you know, the previous comment uh, from the Vietnamese person who was disgusted and um, upset about the program having your guest on, I really feel it's important for us as a country and as people to reflect on our history and your guest has a really um, kind of important insight into the person that helped shape our involvement in the Vietnam War and it's important to know what was going on and the effects that it had on everyone including him Um, and I think he's really thoughtful and very respectful and so I just want to say thank you for putting that out there. Uh, Well, Paula, thanks. Another listener writes, I'm a similar age as the guest, and my mother's young life intersected with a person of power in public office. I am writing her truth, which may impact the public figure's, quote, legacy. I wonder if the guest has any thoughts, suggestions, or advice. Oh, boy, as as you were reading that, I mean, and thank you for all comments, um, in my own chosen career of, of agriculture, I, I, I've tried to inform myself of of opposing uh, of, of of views that oppose conventional wisdom. In my case, conventional agriculture, and I go back to Kerry McWilliams, who was a writer in the 30s and 40s, who wrote Factories in the Fields, and basically that book, if you read it today and didn't look at the date of it, you would think it was written recently because it demonstrates how we, the United States, has abused and mistreated ethnic minorities throughout our entire history in agriculture. We've depended upon the Chinese, the Japanese, the Filipinos, the Latinos, the African Americans, and just at the verge when those groups have become landed, we take away their land. So this is a history that we have in our country, it's it, it's not, and because of my travels through Latin and South America, I came into direct contact with the atrocities that the CIA has done. I'm incredibly sensitive, and I've done everything I can be, and will continue to do, to be aware of those issues. So the larger issue of legacy, I think we all are are are, are in a legacy, and it's our obligation to. Going back to the original um, listener and the question that she raised, it's a poignant one. I take it very seriously, and that, w- that is part of my legacy, and it is my obligation to myself and to my family and to society at large 
to continue learning and to be open and to change. The physical manifestation of this, you write about having ulcers. Can you talk a little bit about how you connect the ulcers to the impact of your dad's decisions? Yeah. So my wife has often reminded me, ulcers today are very curable. Um, <laughs> we, did, we didn't know that or we didn't have the medicines or knowledge back then. So my mom, when she died at age 66 um, and, and cleaning out her belongings and looking at her medicine cabinet, it was just filled with medications to help relieve her pain, her ulcers. So clearly... And I, I hesitate to say this because we are one small family in an ocean of families that suffered the atrocities of Vietnam, but we suffered and, and are wounded because of that. I'm not a victim. I am not a victim. My wounds are, are small compared to those who suffered and fought. But the, the ulcers that eventually came close to ending her life, and luckily I was over to overcome, really did um, set us back, and nobody talked about them. We're talking now with Craig McNamara. Craig McNamara's father was Robert McNamara, known widely as the architect of the Vietnam War, a secretary of defense under Presidents Kennedy and Johnson. His book is about the impact of his father's lies, and it's titled Because Our Father's Lies because our fathers lied. And it's also about how Craig has reckoned with his father's legacy. And you, our listeners, are invited to share your thoughts, your questions for Craig. Also, if there is something a parent or ancestor has done that, that you struggle with and how you've had to contend with it. 866-733-6786 is the number. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're at KQED Forum. You can always email your questions or comments to forum at kqed.org. We'll have more after the break. Stay with us. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about contending 
with difficult family legacies. And Craig McNamara is contending with the legacy of his father, Robert McNamara, known widely as the architect of the Vietnam War. You can join our conversation by calling 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. You can also email us, forum at kqed.org, or get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. We're talking about the lessons learned through the process of trying to contend with such atrocities, especially when it is in your family history. The listener writes, I also have some uncomfortable, unethical, and immoral men in our line. My ancestry is about the white male power taking what it wants. And listening to you speak makes me realize that maybe that's why I surround myself with plants and animals that I can nurture and make grow. James writes, my father fought in Vietnam and Laos as a U.S. Air Force pilot. After he returned and witnessed the sad end of the conflict, he would never acknowledge that the whole enterprise was wrong or based on misguided assumptions. When we watched Fog of War together, we saw Robert McNamara say, it was all a mistake from the beginning that we could never make right. The expression on my dad's face as well as his entire attitude changed into shock. Did you ever have such a moment with your dad? Epiphanies from father to son. Did you? Regrettably, I never did. And when he wrote his book in retrospect, I said, Dad, why couldn't you have written that earlier? And why couldn't you have done more? That's not enough. Later on, I believe that was in the 90s, later on in the 2000s, when he uh, was filmed by Errol Morris in The Fog of War. And thank you, that, that I find that movie to be, that documentary to be so powerful, and I give a tremendous amount of credit to Errol for 22 hours of filming a very, very difficult person, my father. I just, we, we, we never had those opportunities, and Mina, you've, you've, you mentioned it earlier on, but 58,000 men and women from the United States were, were killed, Two to three million um, Vietnamese and surrounding uh, Cambodians were killed. 7.5 million tons of bombs were dropped on Vietnam and the surrounding area. That's three times the amount used in World War II. There were 11 million gallons of Agent Orange used and 388,000 tons of napalm. That's 60,000 tons, excuse me, 60,000 gallons of napalm a day. Just pause for a second. Whose shoulders does that fall on? And what can we do about that today? Let me go to caller Edmundo in Oakland. Hi, Edmundo. <clears throat> Hi, thank you, Mina, for another great program. Um, I wanted to name that. I, I'm so... Um, resonating with the caller um, who named um, her pain and, and, and just the, the, the impact that this war had on the Vietnamese, the Vietnamese people and so many families uh, that were torn apart. And, and I completely want to honor um, her experience or their experience and, and what is real for them. And, and, uh, I also want to name that while we honor that and acknowledge that, that that's very real, um, I also want to, to express my gratitude for, for, for this work um, that, that I think is especially important for the white audience. Um, 
I think that that is part of and, and just naming the importance of healing, uh, the healing, the, the historical trauma is something that um, communities of color are engaged with in a, in a very real way. And I think it's so important that the, the broader white community also be engaged mm-hmm. in this trauma that has been obscured by the by the privilege that that is so often um, overlaid on top of of that trauma that is being carried. So I want I just want to find that path forward that acknowledges both truths and and the value that is inherent in each of those. Thank mm-hmm. you. Well, Edmundo, thank you for your comment. Craig, did you want to respond? I do, Edmundo. I share your emotion and I thank you for bridging and binding us all together in this. It's, it's, it, is, it is our journey. Um, Mina, could I share with you just a, a paragraph um, at the end of my book? Um, Keeping an image nearby is painful. It's easier in many ways to throw that image away. Disowning my father, getting rid of his image, would enable the conviction that he is not part of me, that I am not like him, that his actions do not continue to weigh upon me, that they have faded from the lifeblood of the world and have run out the reel of history. None of that would be true. To say that I hate him, to call him evil, to deny the love that I have for him, these things would seem temporarily to relieve certain pressures, but they wouldn't be the truth. I don't want that because I want to be honest. It's impossible not to be my father's son. I can't be but what I am. This is not the end for me. And what I mean by that is I will continue, as Edmundo suggested, to keep searching and to keep bridging and to keep learning. Were there times when you wanted to defend him? Defend him? Yeah. I think I gave up um, after the uh, leaflets didn't arrive uh, when I was 15 years old. I, I really, I'm, I'm not my, f- I, I, a son should not, I'm not quite sure what to say. I was going to, I was going to say a son shouldn't feel guilty for his father's actions. I do feel guilty. But I can't change those actions. Mike writes, too much to say. My father taught at the Air Force Academy and was a nuclear engineer during the Vietnam War. He died in 1984. My younger brother, a liberal slash progressive, decided to enlist and was killed in Iraq in 2007. While going through his journals and letters, I found his warrant officer application. In short, it was about how he was striving to be like his father, who had died when he was just nine. I'm grateful for the author. The contradictions rightfully borne by the military are impossible, but I believe that honest examinations such as these, that the author is enduring, are the only way forward. Just want to say thank you, and that he does not bear this honesty alone. Well, thank you. I think that note touches on what we can do to relieve the pain or to, justif- to, to acknowledge the pain of our veterans. I, I, since time immortal, we have not taken care of our veterans. I don't believe we do that well today. And that is an atrocity. And that's what we as citizens can fight for today. Susan writes, Craig, I heard you say that you wish you had tried harder to dialogue with your dad. Are you aware that Thich Nhat Hanh met with your dad to discuss the war three months before he resigned as defense secretary? If so, can you share anything about that? Oh, my goodness. I didn't know that. And Thich Nhat Hanh is such an amazing person who has passed away this year. Um, 
tell me more, uh, tell me where I can read that. It, it makes me think of my father's trip to meet with General Zapp in Hanoi in the, I believe it was 1996, and it was one of those times when I said, Dad, I want to go with you. I want to be there. I want to witness, um, and I want to experience that journey with you. And he said, no, Craigie, uh, I don't think it's appropriate that you be there. And I go, for Christ's sake, what do you mean it's not appropriate for me to be there? So I've missed out on a lot of history. And the deep dive that I took into writing the memoir began to open up the history of Vietnam to me, which I am so thankful for and I will continue to do. You have talked about how you have had to learn about your father's life by reading other people's words, the words of journalists, historians, and essays. And in fact, you say that when you try to read a book that goes into your family history, you feel an emptiness spreading from my center. Parts of my body feel as though they're shutting down. Why does it feel that way? Well, we, yes. we, we should learn from our parents. I mean, that's, that's what I'm, I'm flawed just like all of us, but I'm trying to do that as a parent today with my children to be open and transparent. And my father, I knew nothing about his family. I mean, I probably met his mother a handful of times. Um, he just didn't share. And what a, what a tremendous loss for him and, and, and for me. Well, Wes writes, I'd like to ask Mr. McNamara where he thinks the mistakes are being made today. I'm appalled by the racist behavior I see primarily from our ex-president and his acolytes. We continue to be aggressors. Um, We continue to fund aggression around the world. And as a farmer, what I realize, we, we actually globally produce enough food so that everybody could have a nourishing meal. And there are a billion people who don't have access to food. And that's because of war. That's because our fathers have lied to us. Do you see a parallel between your dad's loyalty to Presidents Kennedy and Johnson and loyalty to uh, our ex-president, Trump, about thinking about that against the cost to the public? to people's lives. You know, we are in such a complicated arena and world now in the United States and across the globe. I don't know, I, I, I don't completely understand how we've gotten here, but I know that we have to, in order for global survival, in order for societies to, to confront climate change, which is, which is greater than Trump, we have to unify, we have to listen, we have to come together, we have to respect, we have to have loyalty to, to, loyalty to ourselves and loyalty to society and loyalty, um, compassion. You know, I was thinking about um, driving down here for today's interview. Was my father compassionate? He was compassionate to me in certain ways. He was compassionate um, he loved music. He loved the mountains. Was he compassionate to the Vietnamese? I don't think so. We're talking with Craig McNamara. His new memoir is Because Our Fathers Lied. Craig McNamara's father was Robert McNamara. You, our listeners, are joining the conversation at 866 733 
by reaching out on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or by emailing us at forum at kqed.org. This listener writes, My heart hurts for both the disgusted listener and the admittedly middle-aged privileged white man who triggered that disgust, Craig McNamara. Both of their voices come through loud and clear. He is not the man who was responsible for the deaths of her family and so many of her people. He had no choice of parents. And I hear that he has done what he could to compensate for his father's legacy. I hope and pray they will both find the healing and peace they both deserve. You are listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Craig, can you talk about uh, the story of the chairs? I'm wondering if that in some way has done what the listener has hoped for you, which is provide some level of clarity and healing. Thank you, Mina. That, that's an amazing part of my life, and I call it a, a legacy. It, it goes back to legacy because the chairs, when President Kennedy was assassinated, because my father was Secretary of Defense, he met Mrs. Kennedy at the airport and took the body to the hospital. And during those dark hours, over that weekend, selected the president's burial site in Arlington Cemetery. This is a profound um, uh, tragedy. And I think the, the internal emotions that, that, he, that it evokes are incredible. When Mrs. Kennedy returned then to the White House, she knew that the president would want to have given his loyal secretary of defense a memento, and she decided to give him, Robert McNamara, his cabinet chair, the chair that he sat in around the cabinet table, and also John F. Kennedy's chair. Those two beautiful leather-bound chairs were in our living room at 2412 Tracy Place, Northwest, Washington, D.C. My entire life from age 12 to the day that my father died in 2009. And I figured that upon his death, uh, my two sisters and I would share those chairs. That did not come to pass for a variety of reasons, and they were sold at auction at Sotheby's in New York City on the 50th anniversary of the Cuban Missile Crisis. And they were sold for $150,000 each. And I was, I was crestfallen because I, I, I had an attachment to those chairs. The quick story is they were bought by an amazing gallery owner, Marion Goodman in New York City. They were bought for one of her artists, Yan Vo, a Vietnamese artist born in 1975 in Vietnam, who with his family fled by boat, were picked up at sea, picked up by a Danish freighter and became Danes. Jan Vo today is a renowned global artist. He took the chairs, disassembled them, and from them created art pieces that I saw at the SF MoMA. And when I saw the, the, the sisal strings that hold the cushion of a chair, all of a sudden I realized that's where those chairs needed to be. In those chairs sat two men, brilliant men, who made absolutely deplorable decisions about uh, our aggressions and took us into a war that we never should have been in. And rather than a chair like that being in my living room, it should be on the walls of museums and in neighborhoods so that people around the world can recognize the aggressiveness and the horror of war and what we can do to change that. Jeffrey writes, my mother went to high school with your father and had kind things to say about him. My father was a combat veteran from World War II. As his son, I learned how war destroys the well-being of victors, losers, and witnesses, 
as well as their descendants. It's horrifying to realize how war and its traumatic afterlife still persist and proliferate despite all we know and love. And that is so much the point. Uh, There are so many casualties, um, and I know that you are not asking for the impact of yours to to stand above others, but there are so many uh, that ensue. What are you hoping the impact of you sharing how you reckoned with it as as the son of Robert McNamara? Well, well let me just say, Jeff, have. Yeah, yeah, Mina and Jeffrey, thank you for that. And thank you. That's a, an amazing part of, of our history, the story that you've just shared. I guess th- that we remain open to one another, that... that Many people have talked to me about their their fathers and their grandfathers who fought um, under Robert McNamara's, as, as Robert McNamara was the architect of the war, they were the men who carried out the war and the women that carried out the war. And the, many of them are still living. And many of the people that I, or I assume many of the people that I pass today on my way from my farming, um, from my farm in winters along Route 80 are homeless because of because of Vietnam. So your question is, what can we do? Open our hearts, open our minds, be present, and c- continue to be givers and learners so that we can change society in our lifetime. We're not going to change war, but we can change how we deal with war, and we can accept people, um, as you said and as the listener said, on all sides of war. Everybody is damaged by war. Craig McNamara, his new memoir is Because Our Fathers Lied, a memoir of truth and family from Vietnam to today. Craig McNamara's father was Robert McNamara, known widely as both Secretary of Defense under President Kennedy and Johnson and as the architect of the Vietnam War, in which millions lost their lives, mostly Vietnamese civilians. This book is about how he's reckoned with his father's legacy and how America has reckoned with Vietnam. I want to thank you, Craig, for joining us. Mina, it's meant so much to me. And thank you for uh, all of your listeners. And thank you for the comments that came from our first listener to our last listener. I will take those home with me today and continue to live them and think them and follow them. Thank you so much. Yes, my thanks to the listeners and also to Stephen Chemileski, who produced today's segment. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Did you ever wonder what it's like to live alone, hidden in the woods, not speaking to a single soul for 30 years? Or wander the desert, uncover a hidden well, and dive to the bottom of the deepest water hole for 2,000 miles? The Snapchat Podcast takes you there with amazing stories told by the people who live them with an original soundscape that drops you directly into their shoes. Snap Judgment. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcast.